Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. My name is Simon Lovegrove, Global Head of Financial Services, Knowledge at Northern Rose Fulbright. And today we're going to take a look at some ESG-related developments. And to guide us through this, I'm delighted to be joined by our EMEA Head of Risk Consulting, Hane Sadar. Hane, welcome. And to kick off with, uh, let's just stay with the UK. And recently, the FCA published its long-awaited consultation paper on sustainability disclosure requirements and investment labelling. We've produced an online briefing note covering the key points of the consultation. But as my first question, let's go back to basics. Can you sum up what the FCA's rationale for the proposals are? Hi, Simon. Certainly. Thank you. Thank you for... uh for uh, speaking to me today on this. Um, my sense with all of this is, I mean, there are a number of factors that come to play uh, generally when it comes to disclosures, but I mean, clearly the FCA is concerned around greenwashing. That has a number of connotations around it, but ultimately this is about trust. Um, and in particular for the retail investment community to be able to navigate what is an unbelievably complex set of uh, requirements within the product landscape. And I think what's particularly important for the investor community is to understand some of the terminology that's used, what it means, what it ultimately means in terms of measurability for these products, but also as well to understand that there's a very clear set of benchmark requirements so that when firms make particular claims about the viabilities of their um, products and services in relation to ESG, it can be much easier measurability to be applied and that investors and consumers really understand what they're getting. ESG is a topic, uh, as we all know, is getting considerable attention out there in the market for different reasons and in different contexts. And of course, layered in all of that uh, is the broader macroeconomic considerations where climate, energy and various other types of um, conversation are emerging around the viability of ESG in general. Firms recognize the importance of it, not just to investors, but to themselves as organizations and to their staff. So I think really what the FCA has done in this is help to kickstart the precision needed in using ESG terminology. And I think that's a welcome um, step forward, especially when we move into next year and firms start to prioritize their strategies. Thanks, Hannay. Um, I just want to now move outside the SCA consultation and look at ESG initiatives more generally. And I know you've been doing a lot of work um, in the ESG space, so I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. There seems to me to be a lot of emphasis placed by firms on the E part of ESG, perhaps sometimes at the expense of the S and G parts. Can you give me your thoughts on why the S and G parts are equally important? Absolutely, Simon. And indeed, you are correct. The measurability of the E side, um, the attention that climate disclosures and general climate concerns have had has meant that that has uh, been the focus within firms. But as you're right, ESG is as a whole a constituent three part requirement that sits with uh, with firms. Now, in terms of the measurability with E, that has been very clear. And whilst there's lots of debate the measurability focus and some of the pledges and commitments that firms has, have made have taken the front foot and therefore E has got the attention. But lest we not forget that the S and the G are very important. Now, on the S side, 
there are a number of initiatives that gain considerable attention when firms place some priority on S, in particular elements of their sustainability of staff, their sustainability of environment, uh, environment, office locations, the diversity of their staff. There are a number of different things that they would be doing ordinarily in their day to day uh, that would be heavily impacted by a focus on the S in ESG. And I think where there might be less measurability and or press coverage that comes from the S side, both the impact and the importance to the overall ESG strategy can be considerable. And I think it is encouraging that increasingly we are hearing more requests um, and getting more questions regarding what people can do around the S and what organisations can do to start to focus correctly um, on the S side. Now, we have talked in part um, earlier this year on the G and the importance of governance from a regulatory standpoint, but more, more importantly, from an audit standpoint as an organization, the G can play a very important role. Um, governance will create the moving parts and the framework that's needed to implement the pledges and the various requirements that you want to put forward in your ESG strategy. So ultimately, governance is an extremely important end measurement to keep the momentum going. I'd also like to point out to everybody that on the G side, good governance doesn't just impact um, the ESG requirements of your organization. Good governance, especially when it's coordinated across your organization, regardless of geography or function, um, can be an extremely important long-term sustainer um, in keeping you in the best shape possible. So again, good organizations forward thinking are placing as much emphasis on the S and the G as they would do on the E. But I recognize also as well that the focus has been on the E and understandably, even from a regulatory standpoint, sometimes the E gets a lot of focus. Thanks for that. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Um, I just want to keep with terminology for a moment. And it's something that you and I were discussing uh, before we started recording this podcast. Um, firms use the term sustainability, green products, etc., all the time. But in your view, why do they need to be careful when using these terms? It's a it's a very good question, and it's a complex question. And the reason why is I think ultimately it's going to be down to the objectives. When you say a particular product is sustainable, environmentally friendly, and or is supporting environmentally friendly goals, what do you actually mean? What are those objectives? Um, and I think for organizations increasingly, when they start to put forward products, services, um, or any given metric that supports the concept of being sustainable or environmentally friendly, then they're going to have to be equally as clear in the objectives, even if the sentiment is well-meaning um, and the placements that they use around saying something is sustainable is also well-meaning there's going to be some much stronger focus around producing measurable improvements. Now, we did discuss this as part of the recent FCA announcement and what that might mean. And while they go down into a certain breakdown of um, objectives that firms can look at, I think ultimately looking at the objectives at the top level and understanding exactly what you say you want that product to convey to investors is going to be really important. And I think the other thing just to mention, Simon, on that is when we talk about 
measurable ESG targets and having clear objectives. You also asked about key performance indicators to assess performance over a period of time. And again, some of those KPIs can be very difficult to quantify. So we would say in respect of KPIs that you're very clear on what you want them to be in terms of the objectives that you set um, and be as consultative as you can be with either your organizations or your external advisors in the strategy that you want to take on board for any given service. That will help you in ascertaining some very good KPIs that you can use with your products that have an ESG um, tag to them. Thanks, Hanny. Um, in the few moments we've got left, I just want to put you on the spot, really, um, touch on horizon scanning. How do you think firms will approach their ESG commitments next year? Again, a very good question, Simon. I mean, the SDR initiative um, that has just been published uh, was building on a number of recommendations, including, of course, the TCFD. Um, and we would expect firms moving forward to increasingly try to align themselves much more to international standards. Now, we've recently had the COP, of course, um, and we've had various communications from bodies both within the EEA um, and more globally. So I would expect moving into 2023, the organisations will start to focus and see what those recommendations start to bring out, even if they are informal at this stage, because it's usually a good measurement as to where we're likely to go. Um, I would expect to see more communications from both the FCA and the PRA in relation to both their guidance, but also supervision and engagement with the industry. So that's something that firms will be aware of. And I think that's a, um, uh, something that will happen across the developed markets and into the developing markets around ESG. Um, and I think in conclusion, it's undeniable that even where elements of the ESG strategy overall, and especially on the E side, um, there's debate as to where the priorities might be and firms might reassess some of their focus. I think in the round ESG as a topic is only going to increase in terms of its focus. Um, it is from certainly our experience, an extremely important strategic area for the financial services community. Thanks, Hanny. Thanks very much for joining us today and sharing your thoughts. That concludes this Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. Uh, we will, of course, be tracking ESG-related regulatory developments on our blog, Regulation Tomorrow. And also on our blog, you can find further information regarding our SFDR implementation toolkit. Again, thanks very much for listening. Goodbye.